<laughs> I did mean to do that. Are you guys ready to funky comedina this thing? Sure. Funky coma do this thing. Uh, I don't get it. Well, is it a wrestling thing or is it a magic thing? Uh, I, I think it's a music thing. The funky comedina. Is that right? Like a blister in, in this the song. song. Yeah. Like a blister in my thong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, like a blister in my python. Python or pythoff? I'm going to eat. That's <laughs> <laughs> for you, Django. Panthers. Panthers? Panthers. No Panthers. I'm going swimming. Everybody, welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast. Oh, he's it's bad. me, Regis Philbin, and I don't know if I'm dead or not. <laughs> I hope I'm not, or else this will be a really poor taste. Um, good Lord. Wow. Okay, guys. Sorry, that's not our intro. That's not our intro. Back that's to pretty, We could do it. No, it's all right. We can do it. <clears throat> hey, everybody. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast. It's me, Regis. Go fuck yourself, Philbin. Maybe I'm dead. Maybe I'm not. Jeff doesn't know. <laughs> it's still in bad taste. Hey, <laughs> hey, everybody. Hi, everybody. There we R- go. Django, shut up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to help. Yeah. I'm your Thanks. hype man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, bro. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a perfectly yeah. acceptable comic. No. Hey, <laughs> sorry. No, do a better one. Do a better one, Andrew. What? what? Hey, it's, ep- it's episode. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome in. Yeah, Welcome yeah. You. Well, well, this is my, I just said in response to your, yeah, yeah, my well, well. This is the Comic Space Presents, a perfectly acceptable comic book podcast, season four, episode 10. Lots. Two seven three. It breaks down chronologically in the great tree trunk. The great tree, tree trunk ring of our podcast is the 273rd ring. That's pretty um, good. And you know what one we call ring number 273? The ring Mark? of fire. Oh, I like that bringing it back to Johnny Cash earlier because all Django would talk about was Johnny Cash. That's not why you're here. You're here to listen to a comic book podcast, okay? So we're going to put that other stuff away. I'm going to take off my glasses, kick up my feet, because you know, as always, I'm Jeff, and I'm here to engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comics I read this week, the shop that I run with these two hooligans, and the comings and goings of my life. Hello, I'm Django Boren. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm your hype man. You're too. the hype man. I'm your hype man. You're hype the man. hype man. You're natural born. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm Roman. I can't wait to hear what kind of hype I get. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm patting my chest while I do it as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he's like a gorilla hype man. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which brings me to our first book of conversation, Iron Man. Um, no, it doesn't. Iron Man. What did you think, Iron Man? Well, there was a gorilla in it. I read that. Um, hey, we're going to talk about a bunch of comic books this week. It's a very exciting week of comic books because the first book that we're going to talk about is a very exciting release by some creators that we're very fond of here on this comic book podcast. I'm going to give you a quick rundown, then we're going to check in with one of our two emails for the week. Thank you for writing us emails. If you didn't write us an email this week, you're dead to us. Yeah, um, yeah, what? Yeah, 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 ye
Um, episode 273 is going to consist of, but possibly in a different order, Bone Orchard Hardcover, number one, The Passageois. Number two, Do a Power Bomb. Number one. Number three, I'm not going to put the number anymore in it. <laughs> Captain America, <laughs> number one. Uh, we're going to talk about Philip K. Dick and this crazy title of a book. We're going to talk about Calculated Man, number one, and The Albatross Experience. Funny books. Albatross um, Exploding Funny Books. Okay, I just wrote EXP, and I forgot what it was. An actor. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about Seven Sons, number one. If that doesn't sound like a good time to you, Fuck listen, because I bet we're going to make it a good time. And if you've made it 273 in and you're still on the fence, I think this will be the one that does it for you. If this is your first, all apologies. It's another song reference for you. Jason. All apologies. I love Pearl Jam. Um, <laughs> okay, let's check in with our good friend, William William Elmer. Hello and happy episode 273. First and foremost, I'm curious if Sam's mom is still visiting. And if so, I would really like to hear Jeff talk about his penis more. <laughs> Sam's mom is not visiting. I will still like to hear that. Hi, Kipster. On that note, I am kind of dry on question ideas for this week because he's watching Ew. the NBA finals. So I thought I would play a little game of trivia. I would like to test your knowledge of your customers by seeing if you guys can correctly guess a customer's top three favorite writers and top three favorite book series. Since this is my first time trying this out, I will go ahead and start with myself, which may or may not be as easy as it sounds. I would love to do this again in the future with other customers if anyone would like to send me their list and I will include it in a future email question. So boys, have at it. Who are Will Elmer's three favorite writers and what are his three favorite reads? Bonus points if you can guess my favorite artist. I will send the answers in a separate email. Yours truly. Well, well, William Wellmer Elmer. So do we each have to do one? Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I get to, <clears throat> I get first on the writers. No, no, never mind. Sorry. Roman, you go first on the writers. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. What's he been buying lately? Brubaker. Yeah. Okay. And then Tom King. Lemire. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you think it's Tom King, Lemire. And Brubaker. Okay. Yep. I think I can get down with that. I'm not 100% locked in on Lemire, but you feel pretty confident there. No, but I know that he really likes um, Black Hammer and mm -hmm. really liked the other one that we read, uh, Gideon Falls. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would also <clears throat> maybe mention possibly Jason Aaron, although maybe he's only just begun reading Jason Aaron's stuff. Or Hickman. Yeah, maybe Hickman. I don't see, I don't see I don't that being Hickman. Yeah, three. no. So did he not give you the answers? He sent them in a separate email. So oh, okay. I wouldn't see the answers. Okay. okay, I think Lemire is as good a guess as I can possibly come up with. Okay, so then... Oh, wait, do, are we doing an artist and stuff too? Yeah, so the next is the reads. Mr. Miracle, we know, is there. Um, I would say uh, Reckless. Day Tripper feels up there for me. Ooh. Maybe I'm projecting. I, I want to say, I think uh, Brubaker's Captain America. Wasn't that yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. I know he's starting Brubaker's Daredevil. Yeah, I could see him just saying like Brubaker's kind of criminal whole world thing, you know, like criminal and reckless and everything. He's Captain <clears throat> America. Yeah. Um, okay, so we can lock in Mr. Miracle. Mm -hmm. Right? No, you can't. He's Mr. Miracle. Yeah, you're so uh, good. <laughs> you, you, I mean, you can lock him in, but it's <clears throat> not going to last. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like there's definitely a Brubaker one in there. As to what it is for sure, I'm a little unsure. Does does his favorite book have to be one of his favorite writers? No, it doesn't. I think it's just his three favorite reads, you know, but hmm. I bet they overlap. <clears throat> what about and then artist? And then yeah, bonus for his favorite artist. I don't know about that one. I bet it's like yeah. a 90s artist. Yeah, I can't. Jim Lee or something. I've mostly only talked to Will about writers. Yeah. Because that's all I ever talk about. Frank Avia. I like that. Tim Sale. Okay. Do you guys feel like I can lock in? We've locked in the book or the writers, the books. I want to say Day Tripper. 
Mr. Miracle and a Brubaker thing. So Reckless, do we yeah. feel good about Reckless? Okay. I mean, I, I would say a Brubaker thing is close enough. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Roman? Yeah. And I don't know let's, about let's the artist. It. Okay. Um, let's see what this next Mark one is. Mark Bagley. <laughs> okay. Top three favorite writers, Tom King, Ed Brubaker, Donnie Cates. Oh. Honorable mentions, Jeff Lemire, Tom Taylor, Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. So, okay. Top three favorite reads, Mr. Miracle, Day Tripper, Gideon Falls. Nice. Honorable oh. mentions, The Reckless Series, Thanos Wins, Monsters. And favorite artist is Mitch Garrods. Monster. Oh. oh, my favorite thing is Monsters? No, no, no. Monsters by... Oh, by Sad Monsters. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I like that game. We got two of three in two of the categories, and we did not get his favorite artist, but I like I like that was I like that game very much. Yeah. I wish we had done better, but I feel I'm gonna allow myself to feel like we did okay with that. Yeah, I think so. Django, before yes. we move into the actual comic books this week, let's just cover a little bit more of comic book news. Today, on the day of recording, we lost one of, in my mind, the greatest comic book artists of all time, Tim Sale. Yep. I yep. think. If Frank quietly hadn't done Batman art, I could say that my favorite Batman artist is Tim Sale. I think Long Halloween and Dark Victory are maybe, you know, really, really in contention for my favorite Batman story of all time. Um, yeah, and I was <clears throat> I was thinking about him today and I realized that one of my earliest comics that I ever owned, it might have even predated like the first comic book comic book that I owned, but it was uh, like a oversized graphic novel black and white book called thieves world mm. and uh i remember it, it had like slick paper and i had these markers that i used to color this amazing black and white art and then you know years and years later when i started a, kind of appreciating artists and connecting them with each other and stuff i realized that that was drawn by tim sale i ran across one in our in our catacombs the other day and mm. kind of got lost in nostalgia for it it's he, he's he's done he's done a lot of great art Roman, what about you and Tim Sale? Early, earliest Tim Sale exposure that you can think of? Um, earliest. Uh, favorite? It, was, it, it was probably a Batman, one of the Batman yeah. things. I mean, I don't think I ever read These World. I knew I, I was aware of it, but I don't think I read one. Hmm. It, it must have been a Batman thing or Daredevil. He did a Daredevil miniseries. Yeah, he definitely did Daredevil Yellow. I don't know if he did other things yeah. besides that. Yeah, it's just like some of the most stylized, awesome start out there stuff out there. We got that one shot in the long Halloween universe and they sort of said, like, you know, keep your eyes peeled. And I was very excited for more of that. And we know we won't get that now, which is mm. a bummer because more of his art in the world would be awesome. But I don't know that Frank Avia or Fornes would have the same styles without Tim Sale kind of preceding them. Yeah. Mm. You know, both of those guys have have some similar vibes. Yeah. Did, Favorite. Sorry, please. He did a Hulk. Uh, Oh, like three issue or something that was really good. That that might be my favorite thing of his. Daredevil yeah. yellow, Hulk gray, Captain America white, Spider Man blue. Yep. One other, right? Maybe I it was think that there. might be all of it. And then and then Batman. All those were the same team as uh, the Long Halloween. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got real bummed today and wanted. Really wished I had that omnibus of all the Marvel color books that he's done, like mm -hmm. Hulk gray and all those ones, just because Spider Man blue is one of my all time favorite Spider Man stories, and um, of course. Of course, uh, the Batman stuff is probably my, you know, Long Halloween might be my favorite Batman story. It's a, such a good Desert Island book. All right. We'll miss you, Tim. You hang out with uh, Darwin Cook up there. We'll we'll see you probably sooner God. than later. It's been a rough couple months for comic creators. Sad yeah. news. Yeah, that is a bummer. Bum, bum deal. <clears throat> On good news notes, though, the passageway 
the Bone Mitchort Myth or Bone Orchard Mythos, Jeff Lemire, bone Andrea Mythos, Sorrentino, George Torch, Dave Stewart, man. Bone Orchard, as far as I know, is a series of at least three hardcovers by this creative it's... team. And Django read somewhere that it's like interlock interlacing like 12 Jeff Lemire property, or maybe not even necessarily Jeff Lemire properties, but 12 properties. Yeah, I think it's uh let's see. Oh god, I don't want you to listen to me reading um reading Wikipedia. But I, I think it's a lot of stuff is going to be in this world. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? yeah. Great Wikipedia. <laughs> great Wiki read. Great Wiki read. I love that man. God, put your dong on my shoulder. Now get um, it off of my shoulder. So, so then this book was basically about uh, a dude who is afraid of water on a boat and he has to go out to this island that's this very small island and there's just this one lady that's lived there for 25 years because she's found a big hole that goes down forever on her island and he's like a geologist guy and he's want he's there to figure it out and it ends horrifically and i want to mm -hmm. say that it's my favorite horror thing i've read in quite a while and it was really nice to see outer range done well oh man <clears throat> i'm not even gonna <laughs> I'm not your hype man anymore. No, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. no way. No, yeah, 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 yeah. I love your disapproval. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've read so many stories and seen so many things that have a bottomless hole in a yard in the mm -hmm. last couple of weeks. Like I don't know what it is about fiction and and like the, the zeitgeist, but it seems to be that bottomless holes are a thing again, which is nice. I hope quicksand is next. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking about that as well, right? While reading this, like what what. What are the psychological underpinnings of that? You know, like I was sort of thinking like, what what is it in the modern day right now that sort of the idea of the unknown hole in like a comfortable space, but there's like the bottomless, bottomless mystery of, you know. Just, in, yeah. yeah, we just spent a year staring into the abyss in the form of Amazon Prime and fucking Hulu. Mm. And uh, now fiction is happening because of it. Hmm. And then we came out the other side and we we kind of missed that bottomless hole. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know? Like a media spin. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Roman, what did you think of this old thing? Um, that was all right. Nice. <laughs> I, 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 the art was pretty. I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt like it was, there was a lot of, it felt rushed to me. There was a lot mm. of cliches they went through and to end up somewhere. I was like, Oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> That's all right. Um, like I didn't care about the main guy. I mean, we don't get any character development. It, it was so short. I wish it had been longer because, like, the Canadian geologist guy. We know his mom died. She drowned. Um, uh, she was epileptic. Drowned because of that, and something took out her eyes. But and that's weird. And okay, there's a mystery, but I don't care about the geologist guy because he has no personality. Did I miss a page about the ep epilepsy? It's just a line of dialogue. He says, "Yeah, um, maybe I skipped a page because I don't remember that at all." Interesting. Roman, yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I don't disagree that it was kind of rushed, and yeah, I, I do kind of agree with the lack of caring about the main character, even though I was very interested. Um, but I, I kind of like started to get the feeling that this was less about these characters and maybe more about the whole or or whatever. I mean, not that you didn't pick up on the or whatever. Maybe that's, but like, 
I don't know. I got comfortable, I think, early on with the idea that maybe I wouldn't be seeing these characters again. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't expect to see them again. Yeah. So I never got super invested in them, but I almost felt like like intentionally like there. Yeah. We just never went too deep on it because, you know, that wasn't the point. I guess I'm just trying to agree with you. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's my my point is like, I agree with you. And I you know, I kind of read it as like the whole was the main character or something. But I, I will say that there were two page return reels that were like, like made me adrenaline pump. And I, I loved that. But oh, I yeah. also, what, was also what I mean, were they? Yeah. What were they? Um, The one with the drone going down to the bottom of the hole and like uh, actually oh, yeah. having the red face be on a page turn. Yeah, um, that was good. But it was also like I was reading this at like 11 o'clock at night on Tuesday or something. In the dark, um, listening to your favorite theremin album. In the dark, <laughs> while Sam was asleep next to me. Uh, and it just, like, it didn't make me physically jump, but I turned it, and as soon as my brain registered that face or whatever, like, I, I did, like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. And uh, and then the old lady, when he looks out the window, and the old naked lady is talking oh, down the hall, yeah. and I just have a thing about naked old people. I think they're terrifying. I don't Dudes know what too? it is. Oh, yeah, yeah that, all of it. That was my favorite part, because I want it, because... I'm assuming, mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to be a, you know, in the weird fiction genre. So yeah, naked old people out in yeah. nature and, and we got a hint of uh, not Lovecraftian, but that same kind of weird fiction, like Ambrose Pierce and all those guys when he, the passageway goes into some other realm. And yeah, I love the way and, def- and I definitely want more of that because I love that. Yeah. Like the, like the madness of the Lovecraft side of things. It's like, like the yeah. madness of Lovecraft and the design of Promethea. Or Prometheus. I, yeah, but I also would say that, like, with this whole volume in, I don't really know at all, like, what the direction of it is. I don't know if the next volume will be totally unrelated events. So the next place, like, I, you know, like, it, it, there was a, a lack of, like, it doesn't stand on its own super well, while also simultaneously, I think, being a totally enjoyable standalone thing. But the next series is a five issue limited series called 10,000 Black Feathers. Oh, I like the And when he stuff. walks through the door in the pit, it says, Beyond the veil of the dusk lies the Lord of Death sleeping under 10,000 black feathers. Yeah. So yeah, there's cool. a tie in right there. So and the, the next, next one is called The Tenement in 2023. Okay. The next thing is a five issue miniseries, not in another September. standalone hard to cover. Yeah. Do yeah. You, that's a bummer. Yeah. That is. And there, and there was something right before this I, I read the, the free comic book day thing, but yeah. apparently I. Like I've been getting confused because like half promos you get are like four pages that get reprinted, and then other times it's totally unrelated material. And apparently that was all new material that's like not in oh. here. Oh, oh, I gotta get one. I was told. I gotta get my one. Are they gonna bind that in a hardcover at some point? The the eight page <laughs> comic book day promo. We were also supposed to get signed book plates to go in these. So hope we had to write an email and complain about that today. If you got this book at our store, there'll be a hopefully a book plate that comes in soon for you. Yeah, and um, if nothing if nothing else, you know. I'll come in early and sign some little book plates. I'll cut out of paper. Roman. Roman. <laughs> I didn't really like it that much. Roman. <laughs> so Roman, you, before we started recording, you acted like there was something about this book. Oh, and and I, I was going to ask you guys, because I don't know if this is just like a cute little in joke that Sorrentino did, or if it actually means something with the connectivity of the mythos, the bone orchard mythos. But there's one point when uh, the geologist guy is laying in bed and he's looking at his phone and his his home screen is one of the monkeys from Primordial. Oh, I saw yep. that. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I, I interpreted that as like he's a, maybe a fan of comic art or something. So it was like a cover he put on there. But then also when he's going through the otherworldly place. 
there's this gorgeous double page spread love that. and a yeah. little red dot that made me think in, immediately of Gideon Falls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I bet and it's I was, all related. Yeah. And I was thinking like, I kind of hope it doesn't tie into Gideon Falls, but also I'm down with it. If it is, I just want him to have a really strongly different voice. Um, but yeah, there are elements of this reminded me of the movie, the lighthouse mm-hmm. um, reminded me of a bunch of other things like, but I, genuinely loved it like i read it in one sitting it was super quick i thought it was paced really really well i thought there was some art in it like well it didn't break the genre or like the medium in the way that like gideon falls's art did you know the page where like she's like swinging the axe behind him yeah like that like there was just some amazing atmospheric pieces of art in here um it it really is my favorite horror thing i've read in quite a while i haven't had something like you know actually startle me or creep me out while reading it in a long time except for roman's hiccups um (laughs) but uh yeah i couldn't possibly recommend it highly enough my personal self but i do like this type of uh you know this type of horror this is sorrentino at the top of their game too yeah Yeah. um what do you give it 9.5 absolutely loved it very happy to have a copy of it especially knowing that there's a lot of strange different types of things that'll be spinning out of this I'm glad to have the kind of first nice little standalone hardcover that is, you know, chapter one of a thing that I think will sprawl in all sorts of different directions. Yeah, but do you have the first nice little soft cover paper free comic, comic book day, day issue preview? I think there's some in. Nah, probably not. Uh, if anybody got them a free comic book day, you should bring them in for the comic shop, guys. Who didn't get those free comics? We want to read them. If you have a copy of the Bone <laughs> Orchard number one for free comic book day, you should bring it into the comic shop so we can read it. We'll give it back. I think if people follow the instructions on the inside back cover of that that issue, though, they just took them to their nearest bottomless hole and threw them in there. Did it tell them to do that? That's what I hear. Oh, my God. Crow told me. We what should end this episode with the uh, bottomless hole song from the Handsome Family. I give it a 9.5. Oh, uh, I gave it a... Uh, I, I gave it a 7.5. Wow. So that's a nice little disparity chunk. I like that. I had to 7. think about 5 it because I... On the Rick the scale. I had to think about it because I just before this podcast, I uh, I great I not graded I uh, rated it on Goodreads, but that's only a scale of one to five. So I almost said my Goodreads thing, which would have been meaningless here. Mm. What was your Goodreads one? Three point uh, four? No, like Three, two and a half. Okay, yeah, so that'd be like that's five. a five. No, two and a half. That's 2. a five, 5 here. That's a five here. Oh, well, we use a point okay, I'll give it a seven here. <laughs> 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 Me no good math. <laughs> I'll say. Hey, listen, I don't have this book in front of me, so be gentle with us. I want to talk about Do a Powerbomb number one by the old classic DWJ, DWJ creative team, where he wrote and did the art and inked it. And uh, like Spicer, Spicer, uh, Mike the, Spicer color. Mike Spicer does the coloring on it. Russ um, Wooten on colors. That is just a power. Russ Wooten you know on. I mean. Does he do letters? letters? Sorry. Okay. Um, we were shorted more than half of our copies of this, so we pretty much read them and brought them back. So maybe some of you have read this. Maybe some of you haven't. And if you haven't, I think our, uh, I don't want to push an agenda too hard, but uh, I think probably all three of us will make you want to read it. Um, Daniel Warren Johnson, wrestling book, Roman. Ah. DWJ. Spoiler alert. There was certainly a power bomb. Yeah, I finished it. And you know what I did? Cried. A power bomb. Oh. I was was shocked because something very tragic happens like, not even halfway into it and all of a sudden i was like oh my god <laughs> that's not yeah, what you i were, expected you were shocked and then not shocked because you're like this is daniel warren johnson this is what he does right is it i i, I was shocked i didn't expect something well, that serious he does like a heavy emotional 
he does heavy emotional stuff. This felt soon yeah, for the like drastically stuff, though. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Maybe not always this drastically, Roman. Yeah, I tend to put. Or, sorry, I, early this early rather. Oh yeah. yeah, I tend to put him in Jurassic League as being like a lot of his stuff is like Jurassic League. Wow, you and I read his books differently because he yeah, and he's only he makes me cry more than he doesn't. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Murder Falcon, <laughs> Extremity, Murder Wonder Falcon, Woman, Murder uh, Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. Okay. Murder. Falcon. I didn't read Extremity, but um, um, uh, that one, that Wonder Woman one in the far future. Yeah, that was which, which was which Murder was serious, Falcon. which was serious, but didn't like get me what did he just finish what is the most recent one beta ray bill beta ray that was pretty pretty oh. emotionally heart-wrenching um especially like at the beginning this is jeff you pointed out on wednesday that this is the second wrestling book that i'm likely to read until its end and probably love and cry at yeah and that's true pretty bizarre um, right i guess i mean it's just bizarre, like there's two books in you know several months that Jingle have been reading coming out that are about wrestling, and he'll enjoy them. But both of them are set in wrestling. Fight it settings. all you want, buddy, but you gotta <laughs> hang out with us and watch some WrestleMania. It's I'm what the world's gonna, but, telling you. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the boom comic books about wrestlers. You know, not like that's you that's a very different show. thing to me. Not, not yet, brother. Show. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cripes. Yeah. Can they fight it, my brother? Oh, what? God. Can they swear on wrestling? Sure. They certainly can on the paper vizzles. Ooh. I don't know. I would hope so. Oh, all right. They take shits on each other. Really? <laughs> yeah. They like take off your clothes and poop on each other now. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me too. <laughs> the art in this is amazing. If it turds, I observes. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm questioning my job as hype man. I don't know that I've got it. So yeah, it's it's an emotional thing, and it it's also like it's not superhero y right? Like, are you reading? Is there some superhero stuff going on? No, at the end so. there is. There's some supernatural there's, there's stuff like a, at the end. I don't know. There's a dude with electricity popping out of him, and he's right, and like he's some, gonna bring her to uh uh like a his name is Willard Necroton, and he's bringing her to like a wrestling ring in hell. Okay, right. All oh, right. Which, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm into it. Like every every single Daniel Warren Johnson book just sounds like weedly deedly metal guitar to me, and I love it. Yeah, it's like if Donny Cates. Well, okay, listen to this hipster take. <clears throat> it's like if Donny Cates hadn't sold out, you know. Ooh, I was thinking if you took the most of the bass out of the Donny Cates comic book song. Yeah, the heart pulse. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's yeah. just uh, writing shit now. No, I'm just kidding. I love Donny Cates. I love Donny Cates. <laughs> Yeah, but there's just to me like, yeah, there's tremendous heart in DWJ books. And uh, this one seemed to have it to me. And also, I love his art so, so much. Yeah. Did you like it, Roman? Oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah. super liked it. Super liked it. It might even be. Well, I don't know. I couldn't. I, on my notes, I put 9.5 or 10 question mark. Oh. I don't oh, interesting. I wish I had my copy here, buddies, but I my coffee copy. Yeah, I know. Will Elmer's copy. Yeah, I don't have my copy. It was the shelf copy. It was I kept the mine. thing I was the most excited to read this week, and it is gorgeous. The art is gorgeous. It's, you know, very wrestly. Um what yeah, is a, yeah. What is the power bomb move? Is Do it you know where they one? like pancake out on them a little bit? I don't know. Because like the pile driver. Yeah, the I was thinking pile pile driver was where. Well, was it the pile driver? What uh what the wrestler does to his mom? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Powerbomb is a professional wrestling throw in which an opponent is lifted, usually so that they are sitting on the wrestler's shoulder and then slammed. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Powerbomb! Pick them up, put their legs over your shoulder and throw them down onto their back. Yeah. Sean would have done that. Maybe the daughter is going to do a powerbomb. Oh, I think she's going to do a powerbomb. She's going to do a powerbomb? Yeah. I'm excited. You get a revenge story. There were elements of it that kind of even reminded me of the Crimson Cage. You know, like, just uh, how do you tell a wrestling story? And I just like that he's so excited about the genre right now. And a little bit of evil to go with the Crimson Cage stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. the it had some supernatural... But it almost d- doesn't need that. Like I would have been fine if this was just just wrestling wrestling drama behind the scenes, you know. Well, yeah, especially because you're gonna love the show. So then, what did you give it, Django? Right after ninety seconds go. Oh, for crying out loud! I read Idiot. Sandman Nightmare Country number three. Uh, it's got some Frank Avia art in it, which is always good, and it's got a disgusting cover of the Corinthian eating a piece of steak with his eyeball, which is <laughs> really good. Um, other than that, this book is kind of falling into some Jimmy TIV traps for me. Um, I'm going to keep reading it because I'm, I'm digging the characters, but I don't think the dialogue is real great. Um, I also read Jurassic League number two. If you're going to read Jurassic League number two, and I got to say, I'm sorry, Augustus Lowell, the B cover is the one to buy. Uh, it's got great costumes next to dinosaur fossils, and uh, that one turned me on quite a bit. Yes, I do wish that it was drawn by daniel warren johnson but uh the the story's fun and the art is fun too it's just it seems like there's something missing in the translation um i also read batman urban legends well i read the the part of batman urban legends number 16 that was written by my friend and yours mark russell and uh it's good it's a good ending to this story and i'm anxious to see how they republish it in its own binding because i think that like a 64 page story um in in a little square bound comic book would probably be a pretty pretty solid thing that's my time uh jango yeah i feel like the first chapters of that that i read they were all 20 pages and i think it's like 60 or six chapters long so we're looking at like 120 page like we got like that 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 could be a full paperback yeah yeah, this this one's 22 pages. This is a full issue worth of yeah, comic in, in that stuff. story. Um, and the, the the greatest part is uh, Flash ending up with the fast turtle and asking him if he likes cucumber. But the Flash is kind of cross-eyed. Something's weird about that drawing there. What were your scores for it, my precious angel man? Uh, my scores would be Nightmare Country, seven and a half, Justice or Jurassic League. I don't know, like a seven, but a seven and a half with that cover that I like so much that Augustus didn't like. We had a conversation about which covers we liked the most. He, he talked to me about it too. I agreed with the fossil one. Yeah. Um, and Batman Urban Legends. I only read that one story, but I give that one story an eight and a half. Hmm. I'm glad that you yeah. are able to be stroked by an animal. Uh, and then what do you give? Uh, do a power bomb, you two nine. angels. Well, okay, nine. I gave it a 9.5, uh, much like Roman. Or, but Roman might be on the fence of a 10. He might be gooey ducking. He might still be converting it from his Goodreads score. Does yeah, that mean I, this is a twenty? I, I don't know. I'm on. I'm on the. I'm on. I, I'm stuck on the top rope. I'm, my foot's about to slip mm-hmm. off. Oh God! Put me down before you do that. <laughs> oh, I'll put you down. <laughs> oh, put you I'm down the power bomb. Rock hard right now, my guys. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're going to talk about Captain America, and I'm honestly afraid. To, I want to know what Roman thinks. Uh, Captain America number one by Kelly Lansing and Carnero, Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, and Carmen Carnero on art. The team from uh, your your favorite Kang series recently, Jeff. Hmm. Is he um, right about that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, these are the two that did the Kang miniseries that wrapped up a few months back. 
I, uh, so, I only read the first issue. Oh, I thought you read the whole thing. Never mind. Edit that out. <laughs> uh, we don't Cap- do that. Captain we America's, don't talk about Bruno. Captain America's Sentinel Liberty number one. So yeah, the companion book to the Sam Wilson Captain America book. Um, though I liked this one better. I thought it was a little more deep in the story. Um, though the first page was confusing for me because I was like, what? what is this? This isn't, this isn't how the Captain America shield was made. Yeah, how do you forge? Well, also, how does vibranium bounce? Yeah, vibranium? I, I, I was just confused because it looks like the fourth panel there at the top of the page. It looks, I mean, that soldier that's watching, that looks like a German helmet. I was like, what's going on here? Is that a German helmet? Yeah, I kind of is... forgot about that page as the story went on. Um, I think that but now so, I'm interested in it. So here's how I how I interpreted that. I think that that was um, the original Captain America. What was his name? Solomon or something from from the truth storyline right, right, right. Baker. Was, that yeah. was in the show yeah and i think that he was captured by nazis and forged this shield while he was captured by nazis oh that would and then be he cool escapes oh that'd be awesome That's i don't great, know i, I don't take. know where cap ended up with it because he clearly fucking left it right there on the forge like a dipshit but yeah i like that take that'd be that'd be cool isaiah bradley Thank yeah, you. Isaiah Bradley. Yes. Um, I I liked that Captain America Zero issue that came out a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of hodgepodge. There was you could tell the elements of the different writers in there, but it I I liked the voice of Captain America in this, and I think that a Captain America story for me is kind of made or broken by kind of how you have Steve Rogers morally portraying being you know, like valuing America for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and valuing, valuing being a good person and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I like this one a lot. I like the way he did it. I like the way that he tries to be a symbol for people and he allows it to be in his everyday life. And he thinks about others. Like, I, I don't know, like it's very easy for me to not necessarily want to read a Captain America story at times. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. liked him here, yeah. but I also admittedly yeah. didn't make yeah. it far enough in the Tana Hossie Coates run that as I should have. So maybe that was a very good one, but this one, this one's got me excited to read more. I like this setup and I like all the stuff he says about, you know, why he does what he does. Um, I can't imagine that four issues from now, we're still going to be getting him soliloquizing about his thoughts on why he's such a good guy and why you should be nice to your neighbors and shit. You know, like, I hope that this is set up and I hope that kind of from here out or from a couple issues from now out, we'll see him um, showing these things with his actions rather than talking about it the whole time. Yeah, 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 Miami. (laughs) No, Golden State. Um, Yeah, they won. Yeah, I I really like, I like all the little nods to Cap history. I like that he's renting the the original apartment Mm -hmm. where him and his mom lived. Um, I like that it's fun that he's gone back to uh, being an artist. I mean, it was a a little little kind of. uh, But I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I love it too. It's just a little um, kind of took a step backwards because in previous continuity anyway, I mean, in the 80s, Cap worked as a professional artist, a commercial artist. So it seems kind of funny in this that he's like going to life drawing class apparently for the first time. <laughs> um, he's trying to figure out how to use a digital tablet, which he can't. The yeah. 80s were a long time ago, Roman. And that and that's cool. I like the digital. T- and I like the nods to other classic Golden Age characters, like the fact he like, does radio calls with the original destroyer and so i didn't i didn't know who those people were roman but i loved that i love the idea that he would be so comfortable talking to people 
in that radio way. But are those characters that have been around that he was talking to? Do you recognize those names? Yeah, especially Aubrey. Uh, what's his name? Roger Aubrey, okay. the Mighty Destroyer, which the last time he was in comics, Robert Kirkman did a miniseries with him okay. years ago. Um, I didn't recognize the woman. Um, Pam. These John and Pam, these might be new characters or they might not be. They might be from Roger Stern's run on Cap. Liked all that. I, I was less interested in the actual action yeah, piece of the story with the Winter Soldier yeah. and this new guy that's taken up the Destroyer name. Well, I really like Cap's you know, anger at him for besmirching the name of one of his old yeah. friends and battle companions. And I thought the art was pretty good, all things considered. It was like pretty wordy, but also like pulled me through in a delightful way. Like it, it wasn't, uh, I appreciated the words that were there. And a lot of that stuff that like, you know, as Marvel history stuff was kind of new to me with who these characters are, the destroyer and stuff. Um, I don't exactly know what the mystery at the end there is though. Yeah. I didn't get that last page. Yeah. I want to understand what uh, Bucky, the winter soldier gets home and he either puts that little white thing on a shelf or takes it off the shelf. And I was like, what is that thing? I don't, I don't understand. what. Okay. But I did just realize, and maybe you guys picked up on this, but when, Captain America like puts that dude down he reaches next to his neck he touches that thing that is like a diamond shape and that's the same shape as the the star that Bucky's like tracing there yeah he puts like a red corner in there oh yeah which is mm-hmm. not that glass thing that you're talking about Roman which I didn't also didn't know what that was but I only just connected that that symbol that Steve may have grabbed there is the same symbol that they're talking like Bucky seems to be working with on this map the very top of that thing that Bucky's yeah. grabbing is that same shape like if you're looking straight down on it. Oh yeah, good call. Um, nice. I thought that I I was impressed with the jogging page. Yeah, well, um, you love it, jogging comics. Well, it breaks and jogging in general. Yeah, I'm a big jogger. Um, yeah. it breaks all of like comic book paneling rules. Yeah, where it kind of snakes you down the page, and then also he's talking he's talking about how like he's doing he's doing his morning routine and his exercising, but he's also really conscious of his branding when he's doing it yeah, and it comes across yeah but it comes across as like kind of hokey mm. wholesome dude doing that and not like like one one mm. shade to the wrong side and that could just be kind of crass commercialization of his symbol and i i like i like the way that they pulled that off yeah yeah i like that Django. i even like therapy i've talked about like what if what is a genuine action if you're always thinking about your action right like what you know is can one be acting genuinely if they're aware of all the things that they're doing and how they impact other people and right. yeah there is no genuine action at that point it feels like to me but that's I'm an okay thinker 8.5 8 on the richter scale oh, i also gave it an 8.5 nice nice it's inspiring too i want to start jogging 32 miles every morning let's do it buddy we're quick all right Django. Will you tell us about why this transmigratory adventure of Philip K in the land of the in-betweeners ended up on our desks? I know you have a memory close to your heart with it. Man, this is this is wild. I we we got what five copies of this book, um, the transmigratory adventures of Philip K in the land of the in-betweeners. Um, and in the package, like it just showed up unsolicited. In the package, there was a letter addressed to me by the creator who says that. Um, way back in the olden days, uh, before the Twin Towers came down, um, apparently at a party at my ex-wife's brother's house, I was enthusiastic about comics and uh, turned this guy's view on comics around. And uh, now they're making comics. Um, this is the first comic. It's uh, 
by uh, Sam Chonis. Sonis. I don't I don't really know how to say his last name, but uh, I thought it was really good. It's like super indie and gets kind of ooky and weird, but it it felt like a cut above a lot of the indie stuff that we get in. We've got a few people who send us indie comics um, that are much, much lower quality than this. So what did you guys think? I was also very impressed with it. Um, My score reflects a very high book of this quality. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I mean, the art is the art. Like it's pretty, it's relatively basic art, but totally effective. It is not, like it is not way below some vault comics or, you know, something that we'll see sometimes or like Scout or something like that. But the storytelling was much tighter and it was very Mm -hmm. confident in its absurdity. And it wasn't even totally absurd. Dude definitely took a bunch of acid or shrooms and he's describing (laughs) a psychedelic trip at this point where the guy dies. Like it is awesome and really well articulated the feelings of like ego death from psychedelics. Also maybe Mm -hmm. he did other stuff, but the front cover is a reference to Alex Gray, my favorite psychedelic artist. Um, Yeah, I was more interested in following this than I am a lot of number ones that show up from publishers that have much more money than this. Yeah. 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 yeah, Pages six and seven. That's the, the, where he's falling, becoming, expanding through the universe and becoming, containing the universe. Loved it. Yeah. (laughs) That was cool. And And the way he described it and the way that it zoomed out and like kind of, he's describing almost representations of Alex Gray paintings, but those were all just sort of like spiritual psychedelic trip Mm -hmm. paintings. Yeah. And you get like a lot of times with a, with a first time comic, you find kind of big problems with paneling and storytelling and just the flow of a, of a comic. And I, I didn't notice that in any of these, like there were, there were probably a, a couple of uh, captions that I would maybe have edited out, but yeah, also weird, I see why the weird one where he explains what a bindle was. I was like, that's what you decided to describe rather than like <laughs> where some of what the other guys doing. <laughs> and like, you know, you can't you like, you're saying, gosh, darn it. But you also need to describe bindle. And then you get to like the free Assange ad. <laughs> you're just uh-huh. like, this is a weird, this comic's coming from a weird place. I really like the, the, destination that he has when he finally gets to the the place oh, yeah. that he's kind of been heading that that's a great picture it is and it's got yeah. like a derek robertson almost look to it and like a yeah. rick and morty me seeks thing and yeah and i love that the main character who's got this really bizarro oblong head gets made fun of for his head by by the mocking buzzard right with the same oh yeah 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 with the, like well the, i just gotta go back up and fly team. around in circles for a while again <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I was I was super impressed. Like it, it it always I would never want to look at somebody's first time comic in front of them, but this one would have turned out great. I <laughs> I was stunned. Yeah, I gave it a 6.0, which maybe feels low, but like for what it is, I, I guess I was trying to be generous with it. Like I, I think it's quite good, but it it's definitely an indie comic, which doesn't mean it can't be great. But like, you know, it's like a first time comic, but I think it's really well done. I give it a seven. I think it's, I think it's got, um, in, in the best possible way, more confidence than it could have possibly earned already. I totally agree with you. I think that's really well said. We have a couple copies at the store. If people want to try and pick them up, like it, it's a really bizarre, interesting thing. If you like psychedelics, he clearly knows a lot about them. Roman, what was your score? Uh, I think I also gave it a seven, 7.5. Um, and it's interesting. Yeah. Django, what you said about his, uh, confidence. Cause it took me a while, but I read all of his text pieces in the back. Oh, nice! And, and just 
he's so enthusiastic. I I still can't decide. Wow, is he just really enthusiastically confident, um, and it's mostly enthusiasm, or is he a little braggy? And I can't decide which one. I think it's genuinely just it's so super enthusiastically confident, and you're so used not used to not seeing that and having right. it be genuine that it's like wow, this I question it. And it's also funny that he says in it that. You know, he invented this Philip K character like 25 years ago. Yeah. And he actually, it was a coincidence or maybe some cosmic coincidence that he named him Philip K because at the time he wasn't familiar with Philip K Dick. Right. So he wasn't, he wasn't thinking that. <laughs> well, and it was in his mind, it had been an animated thing. Yeah. And, and he's rewritten and rewritten something along these lines over and over since he was like 18. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the next cool the next issue. Yeah, the next issue is going to bring in like how do you say it? Glycon, the serpent god that Alan Moore loves. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Yeah, I, I want to pursue actually getting the next issues, so that'll be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think we could probably probably even order a few more of this first issue. Yeah. From him. Um, the next book we were going to talk about is Aftershock Comics. They put out a little ninety second piece by Roman Statler, Buckshot Go. Oh God. Uh, let's see, Savage Dragon number two sixty two. I particularly love this issue because there's a there's a longtime Savage Dragon character that is an anti-masker, anti-vaxxer, ends up in the hospital and dies in this issue. And the doctors, and they almost had a cure, something to savor, um, distilled from Savage Dragon's blood. And the doctor's like, oh, my God, this is so stupid just because you wouldn't get vaccinated and what an idiot. Um, but we've got this serum here. Let's try and use it with other COVID patients. So they go to do that. Because because it turns somebody into like basically Savage Dragon briefly, and he has healing abilities, so it heals the COVID, hmm. and then they can turn them back into humans. But of course, things go wrong, and the entire hospital—it's basically a virus of Savage Dragon people—and then and then they don't end well. But it's just so great. Eric Larson was like, you know, here's what I think of you, anti-vaxxers. <laughs> um, Bunny masks, the Hollow Inside, number two, another Paul Tobin book this week. Two Paul Tobin books. This is just a great horror series. I'm not, there's, it's so weird. There's parts of it. I'm not sure. I kite it grasping the total weirdness, but it's, it's so cool. And the art's beautiful. Andrea Muti. X-Men Red number three by Al Ewing. Great Magneto issue. They're doing great things with him. He's, you know, he's one of my favorite X characters. And this is a really good issue with him. Blood Syndicate season one, number two. Was fairly good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that X-Men Red is going well. Brayden also says that that's going really, really well. I read one and was kind of on the fence and didn't read yeah. two. And now now I'm hearing very good things about three. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was kind of leery going into this issue because I was thinking I didn't really care about the previous issue. But then I love this issue. Um, I gave it. Uh, wow. I gave X-Men Red number three a nine. Gave Buddy Mask a 8.5. And Savage Dragon got an, also an 8.5 for me. That's all. That's all fives on Goodreads. Mm hmm. <laughs> sure 100 percent. yeah i like that um a calculated man boom dun, dun, dun. that's where we're gonna start now dun, dun, dun. that's Kill what it. i am exactly the other paul tobin book this week with <clears throat> alberto albuquerque on art aftershock comics django what this was a pretty Django'd out book, but I did it really was. like the final four pages. I liked the whole thing yeah i liked all of it but the final four pages of uh phone talking was fun oh yeah yeah. Um, so this, uh, oh, actually, I didn't read those final four pages. Mm, you didn't finish it. Well, it said to fucking be continued, and then it had ads, and I didn't flip past the mm. ads. 
Mm. Oh, oh. Fuck that. <laughs> um, Aftershock, get your, get your shock together. Oh, um, that was funny, dude. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Yo, yo, yeah. Yo, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Super yeah. funny. Super oh. funny. Give, 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 oh, give. It's a feedback. Giggle. It's a hype feedback loop. Um, so this book follows two sets of characters. One of them is a dude who is really good at things, but he can't lie. And the other group is um, these uh, these these two FBI agents who are kind of after him. But the calculated man is a guy who has a memory, like he, he doesn't forget anything. He remembers every time he's ever seen or encountered people. And he did uh, bookkeeping for a gang, a gang. And uh, it's just kind of mystery and intrigue with a super smart guy who can fit everything in his head all at once, which is really cool. Uh, I didn't care too much about the FBI agents. Um, they were they were a nice way to kind of move the story, move move kind of the origin of this guy along. Um, it probably would have read a lot more like uh, who, who's uh, Wheeler, the guy that did the plastic. Mm. I think this would have felt like that if we hadn't had the FBI agents kind of explaining things here and there. Um, but I, I mean, the, the first thing that Jeff and I talked about on Tuesday when we, when we got this book out was whether or not Paul Tobin was going to be able to write a care, a super smart character convincingly. Cause it's, it's a hard thing for an author to do is to write a character who's smarter than everybody else, because that kind of implies that the writer has to be smarter than the smartest guy in the book. Uh, and I, I think he pulled it off. Yeah. I think he did a good job. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. This, uh, oh man, what's the name of the calculated man? Um, I, I, I was, I was totally convinced. And it's nice that he's a nice guy. He's a regular nice guy, except he's just brilliant with math. And he has some kind of Jack Beans. I don't know, Jack Beans. And he has some kind of personality tick or something where he can't lie. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's used really well in the story. Oh, and he's got an absolute like, photographic they don't call it photographic but an absolute memory like a didactic yeah. memory yeah remembers everything that ever happened to him or around him which i think I like is, it which awesome. i don't even know if that's possible um yeah i don't i've never never really fully understood the, the depths of what those types of memories are mm-hmm. um yeah it kind of reminded me of like monk or chew or something or it's like we got kind of like a gritty hard-boiled thing but then we've also got this kind of comical ticks that go along with it mm-hmm. and so you have like this kind of very likable person going through these unlikable situations um you know i I, if you were to ask me if I want to engage in anything about a hitman, I would say no. But Barry is one of my favorite shows coming out right now, and you know mm-hmm. this is this is pretty good. But also in general, genre I don't super care about. But this does have some like nice ticks to it that make it more tolerable. Yeah, and it's it's got like a small amount of absurdity. Like the the rival gang is the Van Dyke crime family, and they all have Van <laughs> Dyke beards and mustaches, which is pretty dumb and funny. Um, yeah, I. I don't know. I, I, I was, I was intrigued. And also this book is right up my fucking alley. Crime alley, crime alley, right up my crime alley. <laughs> I, I didn't would know what a Van Dyke it. mustache was, but now I'm looking into that and I get it. Oh yeah. 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 Even, even the women in the gang have it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's silly. Uh, will you guys tell me about this phone conversation? Cause I, I read out loud when I read to myself and I don't uh-huh. want to do that on the podcast and I don't know where my mute button is. Those, it's great. Well, he mentions, Jack mentions like part of the reason he got out of the mob stuff is he wanted to try and have a normal life and like date and things like that. So he mentions he's on this dating app and the last four pages are uh, screenshots of text he has with different women on the dating app. And it's just hilarious because, because, because he's, you know, he hasn't, maybe he's never dated or something. So he doesn't get some of the, 
what pe- what women are doing. <laughs> he takes things a little literally. Very straightforward, yeah. but also kind of awesome. Like they're straightforward, but also not like just I'm the ignorant guy that doesn't understand convention. It's like also he's dry and straightforward and patient, but also direct. Right. Um, and I really liked it. And I like the one person's Vera that he hooks, like kind of like starts talking to you. And then she ends with just like saying like, okay, well, you're my, we're, we're boyfriend and girlfriend now. Because like, they have like every like four or five shots is a message with her, where else everybody else is a, is a new one. And oh, okay, I I hope that that gets followed up in the main story. Not that I not that I know that uh, I'm interested enough to read any more, but I do think this was a pretty good aftershock number one. Yeah, they tend to be. Yeah, they yeah. tend to be. Yeah, I get I gave this one a ten. No way! What I, I really love, I really like this book. Oh wow! <laughs> there goes my joke about the aftershock number. Oh. I give it a seven and a half. <laughs> I gave it a seven and a half as well. That's the aftershock number. That's the joke. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't think the art was special and I <clears throat> didn't care about half of the story, but the other half I did really like. And I really liked the phone thing at the end. So also it was, yeah. I think, optioned for a show by Hulu. And I would okay. totally watch this show. Yeah, it's like Monk or Barry or, you know, Chew Gosh. or... I had have a hard time mashing up Monk and Barry in my head brain. You know, just like uh, it's a hitman, but also he's kind of a detective with a tick, you know. It's funny, but it's super depressing. Yeah. But it's about murder, but it's hilarious. You're describing just Barry right now. (laughs) There's so many great little visual. I mean, there's a shot, one panel where it shows some of the Van Dyke members that were killed. And there's a Van Dyke painted in blood on above one of the guys that slept down onto the floor after he's been oh, shot. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And there's chickens. I like chickens. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to tell me about the ex albatross exposition funny books? Oh, I'd rather you gave us a buckshot minute okay. 30 go. I read Iron Man number 20. I've just been trying to do more and more of dipping in on series that I haven't been reading to see how they're going. Uh, It felt like there was going to be like one of the variants implied that there was a a proposal in this issue. It was written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Angel Anzueta. Um, And I liked the interpersonal stuff in this. There's also a big bit where Iron Man has to fight a really smart ape and he doesn't get to use his armor, even though he's in his armor. And that all went pretty well, if not being maybe a little bit longer than it needed to, but it was, it was fun and entertaining. And, um, but I really liked the interpersonal stuff between uh, Patsy and Tony. And this is following up with this kind of like rehab stint that he did. I'm almost, I'm more interested in the rehab stint. The art is like just on the cusp of being like way too digital, but it's not quite there. So it is still kind of palatable and I like it. And there's also some really subtle facial facial work that uh, they do when they're looking at Patsy Walker reading this letter. I really like their relationship. I'd like that. Um, I read Endangered number one because I thought, no way this week am I going to be the guy that didn't read the sci-fi number one from a small publisher. Chatterhound. I'm the only one that read it. This is from Blue Moon Comics. (laughs) And it's actually a pretty interesting premise. The Earth gets nuked all over these different countries. I don't know if it's because of these scientists or not, but there's basically a space station in 2087 called Salvation where they put a bunch of people to sleep and they're re-terraforming the Earth. And now they have to send a bunch of people back to Earth to start repopulating it. Um, But it seems like maybe the things that they've done to terraform it are causing these giant uh, mutations within bugs. I'm talking ants and spiders, Roman. Oh, God. Um, Oh, that's why why I didn't read it. That cover with the giant spider. That's why I didn't. Django very aptly looked at it very quickly and discerned something that I wasn't able to put my finger on until I was reading it. But he mentioned that this looks like 90s image art. And I forget exactly how he put that. But like the fa- there's a quality to the faces I can't quite describe. It's like Bagley-esque and Hitch-esque and like quick 
and like gin 13 and wildcats like it's it's this weird i can't really describe it can but, you flash it I, I don't remember um i don't remember that art yeah, like, at all here are some faces looked uh, a lot of drawings since then oh yeah 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 oh uh bill willingham is who it looks yeah like that's who you compared yeah. it to yeah, yeah yeah and uh it's you know just like weird like there's definitely some brian hitch in there um i liked it it's definitely it. not bad it was a really interesting premise and execution and they spent like a really like eight pages on this sort of like one of the characters was sort of rebellious and not getting along and then the guy who got woken up kind of straightened her out and was like i don't i don't know that we needed this like right the premise that you've built here is pretty cool but maybe that maybe that'll be real important later on but um i gave iron man number 20 a 7.5 i think it's good and i think that they're doing interesting stuff with tony especially with his relationships and his addiction stuff and not just being alcohol he actually got addicted to painkillers because he got hurt and then it looks like it's leading into some more stuff falling up on this corvac stuff that seems really interesting so give him iron some man, coke you fucking cowards yeah i agree <laughs> give that man some cocaine he would finally get a cooler suit of armor um but i <laughs> I I'm, I might continue with it, actually. Um, and then Endangered, I gave uh, a 6.5. Pretty nice. good sci-fi premise and execution with a lot of the trappings of small publisher work, um, stilted dialogue, not great art. But the premise was there. And I, I, I would be curious what you guys would have thought about it. Roman, you and I read Eric Powell's Albatross Exploding Funny Books number one, featuring the goon, La Diabla, Hillbilly, and Lester of the Lesser Gods, and also Terror Toilet on page one, yes, which was awesome and hilarious. A we, horror we, toilet that consumes people. We did. I, I, if we can back up just a minute, I wanted to say, Jeff, I'm glad you liked, liked Iron Man. The only thing I was a little disappointed in with this issue was that at the end of last issue, Patsy takes him to the uh, the rehab center, and I was looking forward to an issue or two of, yeah. of Tony in rehab and just yeah. seeing what that's like. And I guess you know that probably wouldn't sell well to I wasn't the sure overall if... Iron Man crowd, but I I I wish that hadn't all happened in between issues. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because I didn't know if it had happened mm-hmm. and I missed those rehab issues because I Maybe... think it's interesting and I think they tackled it in a really interesting way. Maybe we could email Christopher Cantwell and see if they do a giant size rehab special. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd like that. Please continue. Anyway, the terror toilet. <laughs> terror toilet. Yes. All right. Let's move from the Jeff situation to the Django situation. Poo jokes and, and chicks in bikinis. That that um, cracked me up, especially the tagline. Terror toilet. The toilet that takes no shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, and the best part is that that's not the best page. No, that's not no, the best story not. in here. Like this, this whole thing is pretty good. And I mean, I don't know what else you would expect because Eric Powell just kind of does stuff that really appeals to me. It's all kind of grotesque and uh, deals with heavy subjects in an, uh, like a cartoonish sort of uh, uh, grotesque way. Uh, and I've I realized when I was reading this that I think I've read everything that kind of introduced all these characters you know it's got it's got goon stuff it's got la diabla who was in that uh that weird team up special that he did recently it's got hillbilly who uh i think i read i don't know i probably read 15 issues of hillbilly stories when they were coming out yeah and then it's got lester of the lesser gods um and i don't remember what that was in originally but it one was shot it was just a well, one shot just yeah we a, got just a like one a, shot yeah just a dumb one shot um <laughs> and this is I don't know. It's it's like an anthology, but all by the same artist. And may, I think he's writing everything too. So I yeah. I love it. Yeah, and it's so 
it's so much fun because yeah, it's all Eric Powell, but the stories are they're so wide ranging. I mean, you've got the Appalachian horror, and it's kind of he does that. I don't know that gray shading that's all yeah somehow seems like you know spooky up in the up in the hills and the holler the hollas and hollers and it looks similar but, to his uh, uh, Ed Ed Gein book yeah in the yeah. in the color palette yeah yeah it definitely does and then and then but then the next story is like dumb like eighties fantasy loser nerd story <laughs> like dick dick and fart jokes yeah 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 and, and duck jokes and and then that gets to the goon which is actually it's a, like the origin of one of the goon side characters that's kind of sad and touching but also of course funny because frankie's in it um <laughs> <laughs> isn't that kind of the deal with the goon like he's always up against these these big characters and i feel like every time i dip into a goon story like the the yeti that comes into town and and eats too many humans and the goon has to take him out has a really sad backstory when you learn about it yeah even the yeah. buzzard i think had some sort of like oh the the bad guys killed my whole family in front of me and now i'm cursed mm. to wander the lands murdering people yeah 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 i guess actually i guess everybody except frankie has a tragic backstory <laughs> i don't know why this guy isn't ridiculously popular like I, I can't imagine that marvel and dc haven't ever approached him and maybe he just says no because he's doing his own thing you know yeah yeah i don't know yeah i i I agree. I think, you know, Eric Powell's, I mean, he should have the same level of popularity and, and I don't know, increasing fame as, uh, uh, what's his name? Donny Cates. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is just his, his chosen trajectory. Um, and the other thing about this is that none of it requires previous stories. So you can jump into any of these. It's like four totally self-contained stories plus a page of terror toilet. <laughs> yeah. And a nice, a nice, like two-page spread ad for his Ed Eddie Gein Ed Gein book, which is excellent, and an expanded edition of Big Man Plans, which is going to make me very uncomfortable, and I'll probably read it. Yeah, I'll read it because I remember liking that, but I don't remember what it's about really. And this ad a, makes me want to read it. Yeah, it, was it was about brutal. the the brutal, brutal little person back from mm. Vietnam and prison and Django. That's not killing people hey you guys they just announced that uh megan fitzman i think is her name and riley rossman will be doing a tim drake ongoing series or limited series spinning out she was the writer who did the stuff in the dc pride issues and urban legends of him oh nice so like within the last hour they just announced that tim's going to be getting his own series coming out of that which is interesting oh, cool love you um i don't know i'd give this book uh i'd give this book an eight and I think anybody should jump onto it if you just want a good time and what it's probably it's five ninety nine and and more pages than it deserves. Yeah, yeah. Um, more I pages gave it... than you deserve for five ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a nine point five, and actually, it would have been a ten, except for the fact that at least so far, I don't really care about uh, La Diabla, mm -hmm. but I'm sure that'll change as we get to know more of her story. Yeah, if you haven't read the the La Diabla intro, I, I would recommend it. It's it's pretty good. There was it was, a, it was another one shot maybe two and a half years ago. I think I did <laughs> the duck themed first issue. Hey you guys, I got an email from Judd Morse. Oh, I like Judd. Yeah, did you guys give scores? Yeah. Yes, we have I one more book, scores. right? Yeah, we do. Okay, okay. So before, yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna Roman didn't read it, but um. Oh. That's from Judd. Judd, thanks for not being dead to us this week. Everyone else is dead to us, except for Nathan Butcher, who had a birthday this last week. Will, <laughs> oh, Judd. Right. We're cutting everybody out if they don't email If us. you're not 
<laughs> you don't get to like it's you know that story about like well you did you help bake the bread or you know you didn't help yeah. bake the bread so you don't get to eat the bread did you help plant the seed did you forge like no turn you your goddamn ears off right now if you, you can didn't write us an email just send us an email that says hey guys i listened jeff at the comics place jeff at the comics place j-e-f-f at the comics place just show us that you're out there <laughs> i do it i do it when i'm pooping after midnight we had god i love that song Patsy Klein. Oh man. Pooping after midnight. <laughs> That's the one. Turkey dogs raining down. I can't help but feel the dirt below me. Making dirt. I can't. Okay. Judd Morris. Hey dudes and dudettes and coettes. I'm sorry you had to follow that, Judd, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it says, Hey dudes. Glad to hear you're all back up and feeling better. Finally got caught up in my podcast feed. Wanted to shoot you all a quick message. Thank you, Judd. Colette. I'm 10,000% on board with your idea of an issue-by-issue reread of Fables. That sounds amazing. I had a similar reaction to this first new issue that y'all did. Great to be back, but what the hell happened again? Django, (laughs) I've been thinking about what accent Gothamites have. It's honestly been keeping me up at night. I'd say maybe Northeast New Englander, not Bostonian, but like Maine, Rhode Island, kind of like a Cary Grant or something. Here's an example of what I'm picturing. Andrew, cut this silence out. I gotta get this YouTube video up. Do you hey, Judd, me? nice one, Judd. That was a silent <laughs> video. You sent us, all right, I put my phone up all the way, volume up all the way, turn off silent mode. Judd, you're a real trickster. You know what I like? <laughs> you, I like you because you're a trickster. There's that Riddler one shot by Tom King coming out. Maybe you'll like that one, Judd. <laughs> um, I've been listening listening to a lot of HP Lovecraft on audiobooks though. That might be warping my sensibilities. It makes sense to me. Gotham's supposedly somewhere in the Northwest, I think, and it's had a wide tradition of colonial occult shenanigans and whatnot, right? This feels better than just a generic Chicago or Brooklyn accent. Listen, <laughs> listen, Judd, if you want a good accent, you got to watch the you got to watch the author, and you need to start looking at Robert Evans. He's got the best voice in the business. Judd, I'm talking, Judd, my man. I am talking to you right now about the best voice in the game. Your punishment is that the rest of this email is going to be read like this. Also, I picked up a copy of the new Fantagraphics condition of the fabulous Furry Freak Brothers a bit ago. It was so, so stupid and fun. I'm always on the hunt for irrelevant long-running cartoon comics from back in the day. Any recommendations? Don't let your meatloaf, Judd. Juddy Cakes, I love that. That was fantastic. I'll see you on the set tomorrow. And don't put your head too far up your ass. I feel like you just made us run laps. So, so what's your answer to the question? <laughs> uh, long, long running underground comics. Yeah, I mean the classic one would be Zap, right? Yeah. Also, this new one that we got called Philip K. I'm not sure if you heard us talk about that, Judd, but it was fucking underground as shit, and I think you're gonna like it because it's occulty and psychedelic, and I know you're into that shit. What about Cherry? Never That's a little it. more porny, but mm. like Cherry, cherry and and um, yeah, Cherry Pop Tart and Omaha the Cat Dancer are both kind of long running adult comics um that i don't know they're they're like parallel to the fabulous furry freak brothers there's they're not as psychedelic but they're definitely from that time when they were really experimenting with what you were allowed to do in comics i don't have any answers for that but i would say like you know mobius and the heavy metal stuff which is not underground but like you know uh feels like it the brulee stuff that titan's been publishing Mm -hmm. it's like psychedelic occulty out there sci-fi and then of course you know Mobius, who did the ink call, but also a bunch of smaller stuff. Okay. Roman, do you have another one? Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not r- long running, but um, it's about time for a revival. Flaming Carrot oh, comics. Yeah. And in that, that same like 30 some issues, man. Yeah. But, you know, over 20 years ago, I think, or something. 
but and that same that's i think they crossed over even reed fleming the world's toughest milkman yep which was great and i'm not a, not around long enough and there's a little independent comic called the teenage mutant ninja turtles oh yeah Those turtles yeah. are kind of interesting yeah if they if they do them right they'll stick around for a while they just need to put some color in there yeah oh, wow yeah. flaming carrot didn't run that long it was like a total of 20 28 issues maybe that guy was bonkers oh. he, he was just doing just just such off the wall stuff it's called yeah. flaming carrot ron is trying to collect all of those along with uh, all of the uh, new universe comics and uh i would say the flaming carrot is more interesting to me that's so fun oh and and i mean because it's had a couple tv shows people you don't really think of this as underground anymore but the tick oh yeah, yeah. it's a good call 12 yeah, issues fact, yeah those, we just those got, original 12 yeah yeah i think we just got a uh a, a um new printing of those 12 issues God, collected so funny yeah that, they, they're great that book is so funny um you know ben edland wrote uh the the funnier episodes of firefly too oh we did wow yeah like he wrote maybe four or five episodes of those 13 and they're all the hilarious ones like jane on jane town and hmm. you know the the, <laughs> the wedding ones where he, he marries yosef bridge yeah cool. uh, i've got i got a i don't know if it's a bone to pick hmm. or just a disagreement with judd and i don't oh. I don't like disagreeing with people really um no i kind of do but i don't want to disagree with judd um i never thought of gotham as northwest i always thought of it as northeast well isn't that what he said sorry maybe i missed i thought i thought he said northeast oh yeah oh, I he agree. says gotham supposedly somewhere in the northwest i think oh i always imagine it in the northeast like me too like yeah, a me. companion city to chicago or new york but his the description he says is like northeast englander okay, okay. oh northeast okay all right. Huh. Well, then, never mind. We can cut all that out. We'll just fix it in post. Um, irrelevant. Um, hello. I'm Johnny Cash. Let's talk about Seven Sons and then get the hell out of here. This is written by Robert Wyndham and Kelvin Mao, and the art is by Jay Lee, and it's from Image Comics. I would not have read this except Jay Lee did the interior art, and I honestly can't think of something Jay Lee was regularly doing the interior art in since World's Finest, the Batman and Superman World's Finest that happened around the time of the New 52. Yeah. It's been a long time, huh? Um, and they've got a very distinct style, and I'm a pretty big fan of it, and I would like to hear what you guys thought. Well, sorry, what Django thought. I thought it was pretty good. It's um, very dense and religious-y. It's dense and religious -y, but it also feels blasphemous, which I kind of require to go along with my religious -y stories. Like, there's there's something going on here where uh, there's there's seven people, and they seem to be kind of cycling through them to decide who is going to be the new um, sort of Messiah. And then it, it turns out that Jesus probably himself is uh, busy getting stabbed in a, in a convenience store. And I'm not even a hundred percent sure. I know all of that. That was my interpretation. And I don't know that it's right. Um, it also has like some, some kind of conflict between Muslims and, and whatever the prevailing religion is here. I always have kind of a hard time when Western media tackles Muslim extremism because it feels so veiled in a post 9-11 tradition yeah. of like, yeah, yeah. I get what like you're it's saying. this racist or is this realistic? Yeah, I yeah, agree. Like I, I haven't watched the Jack, what is it? The, the Jack, not Jack Reacher. Not, not the but other like, Jack, At this point, you the, see the somebody like jumping like on a panel saying Allahu Akbar, and you're just like, I know that phrase. I don't know if that's like appropriated and, and like, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I had that same feeling, which is like, I don't know if this feels like a good representation or not, 
from my really limited worldview. And I don't know if we have enough issues here to worry about it yet. I'm certainly not. Yeah, not necessarily worried at all. But like I it does. It did crop up in my mind as a thought. Um, I thought it was interesting and dense. And I do think I'll give the next issue a read. I oh, think yeah. that Jay Lee's art is always really, really interesting looking and isn't necessarily always easy to read. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I'm excited to see more of it. But I do think oftentimes it's so stylized that it can be kind of difficult to comprehend. It's like J.H. Williams III, if there wasn't a really organic sense of panel progression, yeah, uh, which I think J.H. Williams III does have, but I, maybe J. Yep. Lee doesn't quite have. But when you're looking at a full page piece of art, or a sink, you know, like a double page spread. It's absolutely incredible. But like he does really unorthodox panel panel breaks and it can make it kind of hard to follow the gutters of like kind of what happens between moments. That said, it's like one of the most interesting artists out there. And I really would encourage everyone to check this out. And like, I like religious fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to bring this issue by our good friend, Seth Thomas, who lives not far from me, who's a pastor and uh, who I wanted to have read this. I'm going to drop this by his house tomorrow, I think. And nice. uh, just in, in, if he didn't buy it already in the store today, because I'm curious what somebody who's maybe a little bit more informed might think. Yeah, I don't think I have the context to really know. One thing yeah. that I think is interesting, I don't know if you guys read the Dark Tower books that he illustrated. I uh, did. The, the, the Stephen King Dark Tower books. The colors in that are so much more, I guess they're they're richer and more shadowed at the same time. Um and the colors in this aren't bad. It just changes the art a lot to have this color style rather than the coloring style that we've seen, even from most of his covers. Like all the all the image covers that he's done lately have had super, super rich oranges and reds. And this doesn't have that. And it's it's really interesting to see his art kind of changed that much from a different color style. That tangentially makes me think about the Bone Orchard. And think Mm -hmm. about the role that the Dark Tower played in Stephen King's kind of like fictional mythos and the idea of having kind of written all of these uh, ribs, for lack of a better word, and then kind of created a spinal structure that they all create, like connected to. Right. They didn't rely on, but there was like a unifying idea. And it made me think about if Bone Orchard is going to fill sort of the Dark Tower role in Jeff Lemire's fictional mythos in and of himself, which I thought was very interesting. Um, I forgot about that entirely until you mentioned that. Yeah, kind of like just if there's an eternal evil, it can be connected to all other eternal evils. Yeah. 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 Or like a dimensional constant or something. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, What What was your score for that, bud? That's hard, Jeff. It is hard. I struggled with it. I think it's objectively higher art than a calculated man, which I think I gave a seven and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I enjoyed it more than a calculated man. And objectively harder and to grok than a calculated man, I think. But is that a bad thing? I agree. I think I think I I'm gonna grade this on what I think is the art of it. And I'm gonna give it an eight and a quarter. I gave it an eight point oh, Django. Yeah. God, I like yeah, talking that's, to it's you. Hard. That's but I get hard, afraid to talk one. to Roman because some days he hates things that I think he's gonna like, and some days he loves things I think he's not gonna like. And I'm afraid to just say I liked Captain America because he's gonna be like, I fucking did not like it. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know it anymore. I don't know. Um so but it doesn't but it doesn't matter if, if we have vast differ opinions on a book i just feel like when i trust someone as much as i trust you and you're like mm, that's a 7.5 i'm like fuck was i <laughs> fucked up when i was reading bone orchard like why did i like bone orchard so much if my guy have better taste 
or yeah. different Durfin taste. Um, be both. Maybe I had a bad bit of rare bit or something before I read it. Or like a a, <laughs> a bad bit of uh, there's more about turned mustard than truth to you. What's the line? There's more about must. I'm talking Charles Dickens here, guys. I walk the line. Oh, hello. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm turned mustard. Christmas Carol. There's oh, more about right, mustard right. To, than there is about something to you. Um, yeah. You guys start sending us out. I'll find the quote. Thanks for listening. Uh, please, please, God. Jeff won't let us stop doing this until every listener writes in. <laughs> We're stuck here doing this until everybody writes in and uh, gives us gives us something to talk about. So um, it's more. I'm there's hungry. more gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. Ooh, it is. There it Ooh, is. Nice. But he says, uh, you're, you may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a mm. fragment of an undone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you. Whatever. What a great fucking bit of dialogue. <laughs> See, even Charles Dickens wrote into our podcast to tell us how we make him feel. Hey, and James you Burke. Can too. I think you get here sometimes. Send us oh, a message, yeah. James Burke. You know, do you remember when there was like I don't hey. know, two or three weeks when Brian Garside read to us? Out other people. Yeah, I know. And then he started sending me personal emails and and podcast emails, and I lost the thread of them, and I got scared. Oh, yeah. I didn't I, know I what was for that. the podcast or what was for for me. So maybe in in your subject line you could put podcast or papcast, papcast or uh, comics place presents. And yes, Don't do that I, one. I am saying that this is a direct line to me. So you can use this instead of texting me to get a hold of me. But don't text me. <laughs> oh, God, I've seen Jeff get a text in the middle of the day. It uh, it makes my butthole get tighter, <laughs> which I didn't think was possible. That's a loose B. On that note, this gravy train is going to get out of here because this gravy train has got to get to Alaska. So um, thank you for joining us for episode 273. William and Judd. William and Ajud, thank you so much for being the only people that live on this island with us right now. Just the five of us hanging out, cocktails, lemonade, um, doing smoky weenies on Wednesday after we close for the five of us. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to have a big old crock pot of smoky weenies. Thank you for writing in. And if you want to join in for our smoky weenie cocktail hour, much like in Severance, they have a, a nice themed party every once we're in a while. We're going to have a cocktail sausage party, if you will. And we're going to have an officially sanctioned uh, dance to the soundtrack from uh, that movie. <laughs> Calabra. Colubra. What? what? Cacabara. Chucho Bean. What Cucabara? came out the same year as The Godfather that Con won the best, the best director? Chupacabra. Uh, what year was Godfather? Did that 71. come out? Okay, everybody. Claymation. Hang out with us for a second. Cloaca. Uh, the, French, the French Connection. The French Cloaca. <laughs> no. <laughs> Smarm Town and the Huddle Stumpers. Oh, they were great. They were. That was my favorite band that year. <laughs> was it the the Gorilla Grodfather? Ah. Ah, that was for you, Roman. That was just for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're one of those uh <laughs> monkey guys. <laughs> Listen, everybody, if you ever figure out when Roman's birthday is, first of all, let me know because oh. I forget it every year. And second of all, he likes gorillas, Godzilla's, mm -hmm. and he's a big, big fan of Gasoline Alley. He's just, he's a G's man, if you know what I mean. G's man. Yeah. Roman and the G's. Um, gosh. I, I thought that Jeff would have had this movie by now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. And uh, I, I, yeah yeah i'm what? pissed off that you guys what? didn't know it from Typing. like it's you know it's not casablanca it's is it chunder chunder dog chowder kung fu fooey chowder beef um 1972 you think he said uh so. chimps aren't gorillas Test. cabaret oh. cabaret oh, with 
the you know, silent T. You know, I've never seen Cabaret. Because that got best music or, or film. Yeah, what did it win? It won best got, actor, best actress. Is it French? Best supporting actor. I've got to see that. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. We should watch it. I think it's on HBO Max. I would aren't love you, to watch it. But aren't you mad at it, Jeff? No, I don't have any problem with the way history laid out. Okay, Jago, listen, Bob Evans knows what happened to him and his legacy. Okay, the Godfather made us a billion bucks. Cabaret is a movie whose they can't remember the, the name of. They can't remember the. They do podcasts in fifty years from now. They can't remember the name. Okay, the Godfather is a turtle. Okay, Jago, get off this thing and watch the final episode of The Offer because it's the best television show. No, I gotta stop saying things like that. It's the most I've enjoyed a television show in forever, Can guys. The Offer series finale came out today. It's my favorite show I've seen in forever. And people are just going to be like, oh, yeah, Jeff, I watched that. It was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. And fuck you. I'm just trying to <laughs> speak my truth. OK, this is the best thing there's ever been. It's got an it's got an 8.0 or something on Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't looked up. IMDb I have I have not people talked like to anyone who's seen it except for you, Django. I just I was I even thought about I hated it. Reviews. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what? The guy that plays Bob Evans is amazing. And when you listen to him do an interview, he's British and doesn't speak nasally at all. He's can amazing. I, can I put in a request? Yeah. I'd like to hear you uh, send us out as Bob Evans doing Bob Dylan. It's the Bobs. <laughs> hey, guys. Wait, no. Bob Evans was really only around when Bob Dylan's early career was going on. So he was doing so 70s or like early 60s. He was really doing this. No, he really wasn't. He was like smoking cigars and cigarettes and interviews and being cool. He was like, I don't know why you're here. You know, I just, why are you canceling? If you didn't want to be here, don't be here. Okay. All right. Like you're booing me, but it's 1971 and I'm, you know, on tour. Oh, no, wait, Nashville Skyline has just come out. Okay. So we're back on the Bob train. Um, no, I was recording with John Tiles. I just did this crazy song called Girl of the East County, and I loved it. Hey, uh, you can write us an email at jeffatthecommerceplace.com, and uh, you can uh, listen to us next week with episode 274, and uh, we'll see you then. And until then, I'm Jeff, as always. I'm Django. I'm Roman. And I've been wondering, hey, no, no, hey. <laughs>